Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here with Pony Rainbow. Where do you get a name like that, for goodness sake? Wonderful. From heaven, exactly. What a pleasure to be with Pastor Tony and Kath Rainbow, two of the best looking pastors in all of Australia, two of the finest people. What a high quality congregation you are. Good reflection of the leadership here and uh, all the things that you've managed to surmount with victory. You've not just got the name victory over your church, you actually are living it. Congratulations on being such a magnificent inspiration to all of Australia and uh, all the other ministers in the city here. We do have a number of, I think we have three churches here. Our movement, uh, which I started a number of years ago, is growing at about two churches a week. Right now we're at 450. We're going for a thousand churches by the year 2020. We have uh, the best Bible college in the world if you want to come and get trained to be a pastor or a minister. I'm not biased, of course, you know, it's just, it is just the best. And uh, I have Alex with me who's traveling. He works for our Bible college uh, and that's uh, also good. Could you welcome him? Yeah, sure. I'm just working through a little wound though. Uh, well, actually, I can't say it's a little one. It's a big one, a fence that I just took where I, when he mentioned the songs I've written, you laugh, you know, it's like, seriously? Uh, I mean, these were, these were a good song. Did you hear them? They went, <laughs> you know, like, golly, I don't know. Huh? No, it wasn't because you were saying, I felt, I felt the, I felt the wound. I'm only a man, you know, I have emotions, I have feelings. That's what I tell my wife. I said, no, 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 I, I need to cuddle and uh, <clears throat> I need to talk, <laughs> I need to share. Hallelujah. Well, it's so good to see you standing uh, because, you know, we could keep you like this for a while, but we won't. Turn to your neighbour and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you, would you? Thank you very much. <clears throat> well, it is, a, uh, it is a real pleasure to be here. It was great to be in the chapel service. How many are in the, who were in the chapel service are in this ch- service? Would you raise your hand? Oh, I'm so proud of you guys. That's fantastic. And, uh, and so <clears throat> even though they, they told me all the best looking people go to the chapel service, I can see they were lying. They all come here. Amen. Well, so good to see you here. And, uh, it's fabulous to be in Adelaide. So many great churches have been in Adelaide over the years. And, uh, you're obviously one of them leading the charge, affecting all of Australia with great spiritual health. Every year we do have that conference that, uh, your pastor was speaking about. And, uh, it is now called presence. It's not uh, called Ozfire. We changed the date. And when we changed the date, we changed it to presence. We took it out of that Boxing Day thing and put it near it to Easter. And so this next year, it's just in the week before Easter. We're in a brand new building. It takes about 8,000 people. And uh, we uh, see such a move of God in that meeting. I mean, we, we start at one o'clock in the afternoon. That's like the only conference in the world that starts what? At one o'clock, it's because we're trying to uh, we're trying to save marriages. And uh, anybody who comes, you know, you could just stay in a hotel and either 
you can go shopping. I'm talking to the women right now. And, uh, or else you could all just stay at home. Amen. And, you know, who knows what could happen. It's, uh, it's a great conference with uh, three meetings. That's it. We start at one o'clock and then another one and then have a little break for dinner and then have an evening meeting. And uh, we, we try and have meetings that breathe a little because in church life, we tend to have our one, one hour, one fifteen, one thirty uh, church services and, uh, and just to have a little time to linger in the presence of God and and, and get baptized in power again to kind of marinate, I guess, or soak in the presence of the Lord. And every one of us need that reviving. You need the time to come aside and just feel fresh life coming on the inside. So I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. And just uh, what um, what Kath, Pastor Kath was saying before, uh, we do have a lot of books out there. Well, I've, I think I've written 17 now, so trying to um, keep bringing out one a year just because uh, we do a lot of courses, a lot of Bible colleges, a lot of video online courses, etc. But um, in, in the first service, in the chapel service, uh, uh, Tony was talking about this. He loved this book because it was so thin. And, uh, and it is good, actually. You can fix up you know, all kinds of problems in just a cappuccino and reading this book, and uh, it'll all be over. This book called But God is, uh, is one, one year, one Easter, I was preaching on, uh, on the resurrection, and I just came across that phrase, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And I thought, I wonder how many times that's in the Bible. Well, it's in the Bible 65 times. And so when Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil? But God meant it for good. So it's like the but God factor. And if there's one but you want in your world, it's that. I don't know if you can say that, but you know, it's, it's that but. And uh, peace, this is like a really, a really important book for people today. I don't know in Adelaide, but people are stressing in Sydney, really stressing. I mean, they're all kind of wound up and taking pills and meditating and doing Oh, okay. And we asked our congregation, what do you want us to talk about? And they said, well, how do you overcome stress? And so uh, that was like at the top. How do we handle stress? I got my kids, I got finances, I got uh, all this stuff at work going on and, and I'm under pressure. And so we did uh, a whole bunch of stuff on stress and found a lot of people getting a hold of that. And uh, on, the, on the way to church this morning, uh, Pastor Tony was, he was driving me. But he, he started, you know, confiding in me, actually, doing a little confession. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was very, very intimate. You know, he started un, un revealing things about his life. And the, the thing he was talking about was his road rage uh, problem. <laughs> and uh, and, and it, it, is, it is a problem for pastors because I, and so I felt like I should share back with him. And I, me, I'm the same. And. I don't know if you have much road rage here, but uh, it's like in Sydney, everybody's so wound up and, and in need of this, you know, but they, they just haven't got it. And so you take one second too long at the lights when it's turned green, like you lean over and just change the station. Well, they, they are honking behind you. And it's not a friendly honk. You all know honk language, don't you? Like, like when people are arriving at the home, uh, at the house, you know, for dinner, a honk, honk, and that's, that's friendly honks. Uh, and, and then like when you're leaving your kid's house after they've, you know, like prepared food for you and you've had a barbecue, you're going, well, you honk, 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 bye. Or, or when, 
uh, the Sea Eagles win. We're going, oh, all through the streets. Like, who's your favourite team down here? Yeah, them. You're going, honk. And uh, you're just you know, like celebrating. That's a celebrating honk. But then there's the angry honk. Like you, you take it too long and the lights go, honk. And, and you can feel it, right? It sort of catches you. Well, I get this emotional flash, like just goes through me and I become a different person. Like Jekyll, he's, he's turned up. And, and so I don't even leave the stoplights. I get out of the car. I don't react well to intimidation, you know, or bullies or anything like that. I walk around, I pop the boot. I get the crowbar. <laughs> I smash the lights. And I walk back to my car. In my mind, I do all that. <laughs> I'm sitting there imagining me doing that. And as I'm looking in the rear vision, I go, oh, golly, that's a church member. And... Uh, <laughs> Honking at me, for goodness sake. And then I remember I'm the pastor, you know. So I just turn into church. And, and they, the, the, the thing is, if you've if you got peace in your, in your heart, you will cope with a lot of pressure and a lot of violence, a lot of things going on in the world. And Jesus, like, he's the Prince of Peace. Hope. This is like incredibly important because people do feel fairly hopeless. You know, uh, Australia topped. Uh, this year, we, we just went over the 3,000 suicide mark for Australia. Bad, sad statistic. And I have, I have a real heart for the people who are feeling that bad about life. And for every person who takes their life, there's another hundred who are feeling kind of wobbly. You know, like feeling the thoughts and hearing the voices and feeling the pressure. And so putting hope that your future is better, that the future you is better than the present you, that the best days are ahead of you, that life is going to work out somehow. But, but hope is actually based on faith. And so the two have to go together. I'm going to talk about faith this morning. Seven big things that make life work. That is a really great book. I, I take too long to talk about all the seven things. The Born Identity, Who You Are in Christ, How to Pray, You the Leader, if you just need basic leadership skills. This, this is, a book, this is a Leadership 101, How to Get Moving in, in, uh, in the World of Leadership. So I want to talk about this 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 morning. I love talking about faith uh, because I find that we're, we're living in such a Thomas generation. Everybody wants to see it before they believe it. And I know that if you and I, in this meeting, in the next 30 minutes, if we can just find the switch and turn on faith, that we will put ourselves in a position where the power of God can touch you. And I know that a lot of you here are thinking, I really need some help. I really am looking to God for a miracle in my life. And that's in the world of need. But then there's going to be some of us here this morning who have a dream. And, and the dream is, is spurring us on, but we don't know how it's going to happen. We want to buy the house, start the business, get the car, marry the girl, have children, or, or, or see a ministry evolve or build a new building or whatever it is. All of it's going to take courage and faith. Nothing is achieved in the kingdom of God without faith. Faith is the master key that unlocks all the doors. And the beautiful thing about faith is that everybody in this room has got it. Whether it's little or large, you've got faith on the inside of you. And you can grow it if it's little. You can strengthen it if it's large. And the fact is, it depends on you to switch on your faith. 
And so here this morning, you need to understand that God does not respond to, He doesn't respond to urgency and He doesn't respond to need. He responds to us having this, the same spirit of faith. Now, faith isn't just something you believe in your mind. Say, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Faith is not what you believe. It's what you be. It's what you are being. And it's, it's, it's about being a person who is full of the spirit of faith. When they selected people in the New Testament, it was the highest criteria. They said, we want men who are full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and who are also wise. And so if you can be a person who actually fills your life up with believing, with faith, with courage, you're gonna find that you become a lightning rod, a conductor for the power of God in your life. And that power is in this room. That power is available and accessible every day of our lives. And if we would simply learn how to switch on our faith, we will find that we're putting ourselves in a position for a miracle. Now, this, this, this tells you that faith is not just a creed, a doctrine. This is actually an atmosphere that you carry on the inside of you. One of the greatest things you can ever have is meet a person who has faith on them and has faith in them. When they look at you, you feel like, wow, they believe in me. And I want to take us quickly through seven steps of faith here this morning. But just let me spend a little more time on this introduction to what the, what the whole world of faith is. Faith provides this, this atmosphere. Some people would call it an aura. Some people would call it a, 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 an environment. Some people would, would call it like, your, your heart, but wherever it is and whatever it is, it's something that you can intentionalize and switch on. The trouble with a problem is that when a problem comes to you, it tends to invade you and hijack your attitude so that it defeats you. The problem comes through the door, you go, oh, how are we going to get through this? And you go there or else it makes you afraid. One of your kids comes in and and, and you heard something terrible about one of your children and you get that emotional wash goes over your, your, your spirit and you're anxious. Your knees turn to water. Your head spins and you can't think straight and you're all prickly all over. You feel your flesh crawling and the problem has overwhelmed you and you feel like, oh, what are we gonna do? I mean, problems come in as big things. Remember the Israelites going into the land of, of, of Canaan. They said, oh, there are giants there. We, can, we can't take it. We, we, we can't do it. And we go, guys, you should have gone in. But the problem is you and I, we face giants. I mean, they had the Hittites, the Canaanites, the, the, the Buites, the mosquito bites. They had all these whatevers over there. And, and you and I, I mean, we get, we get them coming into the letterbox. Billites, they turn up. And, and they're always bigger than you imagine. I mean, you want to have such a big thing could fit in such a little box. You pull it out. You think it's an offer on the house. No, but it's the electricity bill. It's, it's like you walk in your house and, and you start pulling your kids out of the shower. You're not going to use any hot water here. You turn all the lights off. You turn the stove off. You turn everything off. That night you're sitting around a little Bunsen burner with a can of beans. Say, we're going to save electricity around here, you lot. You got overwhelmed by a big bill. One of the billites came and got you. And these things, 
They come all the time. You should have said, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You, you have the option to go to fear or to go to faith. Whenever you face that fork in the road, go to faith. Refuse fear. Fear always paralyzes your thinking, paralyzes strategy, paralyzes creativity. Fear does not come from God. But the devil will come to you sometimes and say, hey, this is, this is God making you feel worried about this thing. Imagine if you didn't worry, you'd be very irresponsible. Some of you are worried right now. You wonder if you left the iron on at home. Thinking, oh, I should go home. You know, my, what if it's going to Some of you are even thinking, you're like, you got all kinds of conversations going on in your head that are fear-based and neurosis-based. Some of them are in languages you don't even understand. Going on in there, it's like a five radio stations on a short wave and occasionally I break through there. And you, oh, that was a good thought. Back to your hair. You got, the fact is, if you switch on your faith, you say, today I'm going to start believing God. Today I'm going to pick up the spirit of faith. The Son of God has given me faith on the inside of me. I need to switch it on. I've got joy. I need to switch it on. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through thanksgiving with supplication and prayer. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guard or keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That's called emotional and mental health. It's the peace of God coming on you because you decided I'm going to stop being anxious and I'm going to start believing. See, if you're worried, stop it. Just stop right now. And you go like, well, what? You know, if I stop, stop. But what if I don't? Just stop. But don't just stop. Don't give me but. Just stop. But God is with you. Stop worrying about it. It doesn't move God. Say, God, 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 you've got to come. You've got to move. You got. He ain't going to move. He ain't going to move. When going, oh, God, God. That's just a worried prayer. That's just a whole bunch of unbelief. That's just saying, God, you don't care about me. When the disciples are drowning in the boat and he's asleep, they're trying to wake him up. Call the intercessors. Wake up, Jesus. He's gone to sleep. And he'll wake him up and... And they wake him up with this. You don't care that we are perishing. You see, while you've got a problem and you're not going to go to faith, you're going to go to accusation. You don't care about me. That we're drowning. But i got to tell you, sometimes God goes to sleep on you so that you will wake up. So that you will awaken to what you have. What power you've got in your life. You've got faith on the inside of you. You've got faith inside of you that needs activating. Instead of letting the problem drown your faith out, drown out the problem with your faith. And once you create a faith atmosphere, the power of God starts to move with you. When Jesus went to His hometown, He couldn't do any mighty miracle there because of their unbelief. They, they couldn't recognize that He would do anything except He just did one or two little laying on of hands miracles and that was it. But he didn't have a riot. He didn't have a massive move of God because, because the people couldn't create this atmosphere of faith around them. They only had an atmosphere of unbelief. Unbelief is an insulator against the power of God. I have a swimming pool in our, in our house in Sydney. And I go down there and I'm goofing off down one end, splashing around. You come down, you plug a hairdryer in and throw it in one end. I will feel something. 
Because electricity travels through water. It's a conductor. That's exactly what faith is. When I have got faith all around me, the power of God's gonna come into my life. If I'm just filling my atmosphere with need, God, I really need this. You've got to come through for me and I've got to have it by then. He hates time manipulation. He doesn't like you basing it on need. He doesn't want it on urgency. And he certainly doesn't like the complaining thing. You know that complaining thing? I got three children and uh, they're, they're gorgeous kids. Beautiful until they got born. And then, uh, you know, not that great kids. I got four grandchildren too. You know, like, but, but my uh, you know, like at, at age two, I don't know what happens. They were cute up until then. Then they went, I don't want to They got this nasal twang. I don't want to get them in. I don't want to get out. I don't like them. I don't want to. How many got kids here? How many, how many children? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, it's, at, I mean, you, you have this kid and you're at the supermarket, right? And they're pulling on your dress. And I don't want to, I don't want to. There's fluid pouring out of every hole in their head. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. But you're clever. You know how to solve this because you're from Adelaide. You go to Victory Church. Intelligent people. You have another one. Now you got two of these things, right? You got them both sitting in the back seat of your car. And, and like they're fighting. I don't lie you. I don't want to pull you out here. And punch you out. Of. Don't look out my window. That's my window. And so they're whining. I don't like you. You're driving to church to let off those little deep angels at the, at the children's thing. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? But you're smart. You're Adelaidean. You have another one. Amen. You got three of these little things in the back seat of your car, one in this like clocked up in the baby seat, and you go through and drive through McDonald's. What are you thinking? And you, you come out and there's this poor little baby with French fries in its ears, up its nose, like the milkshake, and they're all going, I don't like you, boy, my I want ice cream. I'm going to tell Daddy on you. It's driving you nuts. See this next scripture here. It says, uh, we, he meets you who rejoice. Can you just spin it for me? Yeah, the next one. Amen. <laughs> Isaiah 64 verse 5 says, God meets him who rejoices. And that is, there you go. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. When I read that, I, th- I thought about that story that I was just telling and I was thinking, Man alive, here's God driving the world. Seven billion people in the back seat. I don't like you. I'm going to bomb you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump and Hillary, you know, just going for it. And, and uh, just wrecking each other's lives. The whole seven billion. I don't like. It is no wonder that he says, I will meet him who's rejoicing. Okay, I, I don't want to be hanging out with seven billion whining, nasal twang people. I want to be with the crowd who got faith, the crowd who are thankful, the crowd who are in victory in Jesus' name. Amen. That's you and that's me here in the house of God. And so let me, let me take you through this seven steps of faith very quickly here, that number one, 
we're talking about faith in God. This is one of the directions of faith that we, you say, I'm going to have faith in God, that with God, nothing's impossible. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever dream you have, whatever the difficulty is or whatever the dream is, right here, right now, say, with God, all things are possible. Say it with me, with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. When you start believing, you open up an infinite possibilities. And even then, no matter how big you are dreaming, God will be dreaming bigger. Because He does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or dream in your thinking. But He's got to have something that you're dreaming for Him to do exceedingly abundantly above. The second thing, direction of faith, is having faith in you. Which is a more, more difficult thing for some sincere Christians to, to actually accept. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And once you start to believe I can do this, rather than just saying, God, I want you to do it, like the disciples were with the storm at sea, he's, he says, listen, you guys could have done this. You could have launched out and stopped the storm if you just switched on your faith. The reason God does things in our lives is to show us that we can do those things in our lives that we can work out His image in our lives. He rules the world, created the world with words coming out of His mouth. He wants you and I to do exactly the same. The third thing is having faith in other people. Believing in other people gives them an image to live up to instead of one to live down to. Always boost and build one another. Always start to believe in people. You know, like say your husband, he's, he's an awesome guy. You might say, well, what if he's not? What if he's an idiot? Well, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. So you can be a sanctified liar and say, he's an amazing guy. He is an awesome guy. And you will find people start to conform to what other people believe about them. That is an, that is an amazing, amazing truth, especially with the raising of children. The raising of kids is, is an astonishing, astonishing opportunity you and I have to just believe in them. And to speak into their life, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And that is before Jesus had done one thing. God in heaven sends him a message, say, hey son, I'm so proud of you. You're an amazing kid. And, and children ache to hear that. They ache to hear that from their father. God bless mothers. Mothers say that very easily. But fathers have difficulty in these sorts of areas. And therefore it it carries a little more meaning sometimes. And let me tell you, dads, be involved in the raising of your children. Don't just leave it to mum. I love the way dads raise their kids. You go to a playground. Who's pushing the swing high? You can go higher, son. Amen. Mother's going, no higher, not higher. No, don't, don't go any higher. Don't go any higher. Fathers raise kids different to mums. You know, on that point, you got to understand God is your father. You'll get disappointed in Him if you're wanting your father to behave like your mother. God is not your mother. God is your father and He will raise you up. He's got dangerous love sometimes. He's pushing that swing higher than you. I mean, dads wrestle with their kids on the floor. Be kind of weird if mum was doing that. You know, it's like it doesn't happen. And so we need we need. We need both. We need mums and dads raising kids, people. Amen. To get, 
Kids growing up strong in this generation. Faith in others. Have faith in other people. I want to take you through these, these steps of faith. Number one, faith prays. James 5.15 says, The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. The prayer of faith. Well, what is the prayer of faith? I got to tell you, it starts out with desire. You got to know what you want. Well, when Jesus comes to Bartimaeus, he says, Bartimaeus, what do you want? Some believers are afraid of their desires. So it, it could have been like, if, if Bartimaeus was a modern day believer, he might say, well, Lord, I want to want what you want me to want. If you want me to want it, then I'll want it with all my want. All I want is what you want me to want. If you want me to want it with all my want. Hey, Bart, it's not, a, it's not a trick question, man. What do you want? Well, I don't know. If I want the yellow one, you'll probably want me to have the blue one. I, you're a bit contrary like that, aren't you? He says, no. I want to fulfill your desires. Don't be afraid of God. Don't think He's mean. Don't be thinking that God is not good. God is a good God. And it's when He fulfills his desire, your desires that you discover He's good. I mean, my, okay, like I mentioned, we raised three kids and, and my kids would come down for breakfast every morning eat their food, and they'd go to school. I never once had them come, come out down the stairs and say, oh, oh, dad, dad, do you know there's a bed in my bedroom? You guys are amazing. Oh, and then when I got up this morning, the lights went on. You've obviously paid all the electricity bills. Oh, you are incredible. This isn't breakfast. This isn't food you got for me. You, you cornflakes? Oh, 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 I'm so thankful to God for your parents. You know, you can, they just come down and go, that's about it. Just grunts. One day I'm walking down DY and I got my boy with me who's into surfing, big time surfer. We're walking past one of the surf shops. Actually, it was owned by a member in our congregation. And and I said, oh, there's Wayne surf shop. And Joe goes over, he goes up to the window and he goes like a sucker on a window. And, and he's looking at a surfboard there. And I look around, I see it. It's like $800. I go, oh, pull him off. And we're getting home, boy. And uh, so I kind of sneak down a little later on and buy the surfboard. And I walk into his bedroom, you know, like a little later on. I say, hey, son. And... Uh, Pull her out the surfboard. He go, whoa, you are the man. He slept with that surfboard that night. <clears throat> when, when you fulfill your kids' dreams, not their necessities, your goodness is revealed. And that is exactly the same with God. He wants to fulfill dreams in people's lives, in our hearts. So he says, what do you want? What's your dream? Bring it to me. Second thing he says is decision. The second step in this is decision. What are you going to do? Because a double-minded man doesn't receive anything from the Lord. But making a decision is a step of faith. It's how you keep traction and momentum in your life. Take a step, take another one. Sometimes people get stuck. Then they sit down and they find themselves bones in a valley. You have got to keep walking. That means taking steps. And so taking a step though takes faith. There's no doubt about it. So, so when God says, what are you going to do? Again, you get this, this sincere 
answer, well, I'm, I want to do what you want me to do. If you want me to do it, then I'll do it with all my want and all my will. And, and I'm consecrated. I'm dedicated. I'm on the altar. I'm burning with fire, but I want to do what you want me to do. Is, you tell me what you want me to do, and then I'll do it. He said, no, 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 no. What are you going to do? No, I'm not. I'll do what you want me to do. If you just send me you know, a bit more of whatever you've got up there. He says, well, well look, I, I've, I've sent you my son. I've sent the Holy Spirit. I've sent the Word of God. Not a lot left up here. It's your move. It's, it's like time to make a move. Time to take a decision and step out. And actually, don't be waiting around for God to bring revival. Start it up now. You've got revival right here in the church. Bring people. Build a house. Get involved. Put your hand up. Volunteer. Take steps. And you'll find yourself actually moving God. The third one is ask. You've got to ask. And Jesus tells us how to ask. He tells you got to ask with persistence, which means you got to come back again when you get refused. You got to actually keep coming. So he tells a story of a widow woman and an unjust judge. Have you ever heard, read the story, Luke 18? So into the room, into the courtroom one morning comes this little woman and an unjust judge and there's a brother-in-law. And the widow's lost her land or is about to lose her land to this brother-in-law because he's claiming it's his land. But she's saying, no, it's my land because it was my husband's. And he's saying, well, that's my brother and therefore it's my land. So there's a, an argument. The brother-in-law pays the judge off, gives him $1,000, says, rule in my favor. Which, so the judge said, okay, whatever. So the morning starts, the little woman goes down in front of the judge. He says, judge, this man is my brother-in-law. He said that it's his land, but it's not. It's my land. It belongs to me. And, and he, he's just trying to take it off him because he's greedy. And, and he listens to the argument from the brother-in-law. The judge goes, oh, you know, I pretends. But then, bang, I rule in favor of the brother-in-law. And the little widow goes crazy. She goes, what? She's yelling at the judge. The judge says, get her out of here. I made my decision. This is my courtroom. Get out. They carry her out. Legs, arms going everywhere. She's gone. <sighs> judge is a little moved by that. Next morning, Tuesday morning, first case, doors open. Down she comes. He goes, what are you doing here? He says, I've ruled against your, it's your brother-in-law's land now. And she says, no, you've got to reverse that decision. That's not a right decision. You know it's not a right decision. That's my land. You can't be taking my land off me, my boys, my, my whole family. She's going like this. He says, woman, get out of my courtroom. I've already ruled. She goes, you can They carry her out. She's gone. Oh, judge is shaking. He goes home that night. He doesn't sleep so well. Wakes up in the middle of the night with a dream. This woman coming towards He goes to the courtroom next morning, Wednesday morning, first case. Oh, woman, what are you doing here? You cannot be here. You're wearing me out by your continual coming. What do you say? Yeah, this, this whole thing is, is, is not good. You have got to understand the court's ruling is a final rule. You can't be taking my land of You gotta give me my. And she's going on about. He says, No, I'm not gonna do it. Bang, get her out of here. They pick her up, turn her poof. Oh, he's really shaking right now. He says, court closed. I'm taking the rest of the day off. He goes home. He gave up smoking like 20 years ago. Picks up a pack of the Marlboros on the way home. <laughs> oh, trying to calm down. 
He doesn't sleep at all, hardly that night. Thursday morning, arrives at court, forgot to shave, arrives a little late, 10 o'clock. Oh, she couldn't be come back here. Oh, first case, open the doors. Oh, what are you doing here? You've got to change my case. You've got to turn it around. Otherwise, I'm going to keep coming back. You cannot keep coming back. This is not right. I have ruled against you. You had given it to your brother-in-law. I will not change my mind. Yes, you will. You've got to change your mind. You've got to turn it around. He said, please walk out of here. I'm starting to have a breakdown. No, I don't care if you have a breakdown. You've got to give me my... He says, no, 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 I can't do it. Get her out of here. So they carry out. She's gone. Oh, he's shaking all over now. He goes straight home. He picks up a bottle of gin as well on the way home. He's now got gin. He's got Marlborough. He doesn't sleep at all. Friday morning, last day of the week. He arrives at midday. Sits down in his cot. He's looking all worn out. Looks like, oh, I still got my pajamas on. And, uh, he says, for, 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 for first case. And the door's up. Ticky, 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 ticky. Oh, you cannot be coming here. He just breaks down completely all over the bench. Oh, please, do not come back. And he says, I am going to keep coming back until I break through on this thing. You cannot keep refusing me. I am going to keep on going. I will not be refused. He says, all right, I reverse my decision. You can have your land. Get out of my courtroom. That's not really like what God is, but the, it's an illustration. That's what Jesus said it's like. You have got to be persistent. Faith doesn't give up, people. Just because you got a knockback doesn't mean it's over. You got to get up again and say, I am going to get through this thing. I'm going to get to the other side. So when we say, when, it, when He says, ask and you shall receive, He is talking about a persistent, importunate asking. In the New King James Version, in the margin of that story, you'll see the word, because of her importunity. Importunity is translated barefaced unashamedness. It's embarrassing to come back when you've been refused. But if you keep pushing and pressing and saying, God, I'm going to get through on this thing, you will eventually find that you get a breakthrough. Things take a long time to happen suddenly. And you're going to find that there is a day when the reward breaks through in your life. Come on, people, give the Lord a great clap offering here this morning. It's going to happen for you. All right, I got to move, move a little quicker. Faith receives, Mark eleven twenty four. What things, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You got to get it before you get it. Otherwise, you'll never get it. You got to have it today, whatever you're hoping for tomorrow. So when you receive a thing, it's like a substance on the inside of you. A couple years ago, well, several years ago now, eight years ago, went to the medical center with my daughter for her second child and they put the jelly on her belly and did the instant, not the instant, sonogram thing. <laughs> it goes, going over her belly and up on the screen, up on the screen, I look up on the screen and there's this little baby in there going, like up on the screen. You're like, Wow. So here's the deal. If I were to come to you this morning and I'm to put the, the sonogram on your spirit, what comes up on the screen? What's inside of you right now about your future? What have you conceived inside of yourself as a reality? In here, I have a thousand churches. 
I've had homes in here. I've had lots of millions of dollars in here, television programs. I've had houses and all kinds of things and some other stuff that's none of your business and all kinds of deals that I know are going to happen. I'm not hoping. I know it's going to happen. I'm just walking by it, by that reality, because I'm on a collision course with a miracle, as long as I keep walking by that substance on the inside of me. And so that takes us to this next thing, see it and speak it. After you've received it, you have to, you have to see the thing inside your imagination. Now, some people think a vision is like a big, glorious thing. Every one of us can have the vision of faith. Faith sees what your natural eye cannot see. For eight years, we got refused to permission to put up our building where we are right now. I was fighting with the council, got refused three times. I was on national television at six o'clock news. They were accusing us. Darren Hinch was on our case. ABC were on our case and shame, shame, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and so, and, the, and there were 40,000 petition signatures. Uh, people had signed against us starting our church. Had uh, the local counselor this far away from my nose. I'd rather have a blinkety blink rubber burning blinkety blink factory than you. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it was like, everything was against us. And so the first time we put in a supplication, an application, no, next time, no. Third time they told us we would, so I pulled it. Eight years, going back, going back. When you've been refused, it's hard to keep going back because it's, but you'd be importunate and there's, there's eventually going to be a breakthrough. So we, we just kept on coming there. But while we were doing that, I would go down in, into the fields where the weeds were as tall as this building. I'd be standing in the fields where the pulpit was going to be. And I'd start preaching. I'd start preaching to people. There were rusty old tractors here, chicken sheds there. So I'm preaching and seeing in front of me all this congregation of people. And I had done this before in previous buildings. I would hold services when there was nobody in there. I'd see the whole building full. And I'd welcome people down the front who were receiving Christ and welcome all these young couples. And then within a couple years, you're actually living it. You're inside the dream. It's in front of you. It's all happening. What do you see? Because you will find that uninvitedly, if that's a word, the devil will put images of fear in your thinking. You're in the shower and you go, oh, 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 a lump, oh. You know, and the next thing you see yourself lying in a coffin, you know, you'll have images. Your husband's late, like 10 o'clock at night. And first, you're just worried that he'd work late. And then as, as time goes on, you get more fearful and you imagine the worst. You have got to take control of your imagination and start seeing it through the filter of the Word of God. Let Jesus Christ get in the middle of your imagination. Bring Jesus in the middle of anything and He becomes the answer. And start to see Him involved in your vision. How is He making the vision come to pass? You've got to see the future. And then as soon as you see it, you prophesy it. And you speak it out. Words are powerful. They are so, so, so powerful. They created the universe that we live in and hold it together. Words that have come out of God's mouth. So, 
we read in the beginning, God said, let there be light. So who's He talking to? No one. Nobody's around yet. He's not talking to somebody. So that tells me that the first purpose of communication is not communication, but creation. So your mouth was designed, firstly, to be a creative instrument in your world rather than a communication instrument. We think it's just for talking to other people, but it's actually for causing things to happen. And the Bible says, all of you may prophesy. So you've got to speak to your bones. Speak to the valley of dry bones. Speak to the mountain. Speak to this thing. Don't just speak about it and say, I wish that mountain would go away. Tell the thing to move. You have a power within you that God has said, you're made of my image. And I created the worlds with the words of my mouth. I want you to do the same. The last point, faith acts. James 2.26, faith without works is dead. Over in Luke 5, read the story of Jesus telling Peter, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. He's been teaching from Peter's boat. And, uh, and it's been a long morning and, and Peter is tired. He wants to go home. And he says, when Jesus says, launch out of the deep, let down your nets for a catch. You need to act your faith, Peter. Peter replies and he says, Lord, I've been working hard all night. I've caught nothing. I just want to go home and have bacon and eggs. He didn't say, I just put that in. But you've got to admit that's liberated for a Jewish person. Amen. <laughs> so, so he's, he's saying, I just want to, I, I, I worked hard all night, caught nothing. I do a lot of pastor's conferences and that's the feeling a lot of pastors have. I've worked hard all night and nothing's happened. But I know it happens in businesses too. People feel like they've worked hard all night and nothing's happened. In marriages, I've worked hard at it. Nothing's happening. With kids, I've worked hard. With, with education, with finances, I've worked hard. I can't seem to get ahead. Caught nothing. But then Jesus comes into your world and tells you to do something ridiculous. Tells you to do something that you, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You've got to get yourself into a place where you can hear Him speaking to you where He's talking to you. God is a good communicator. There's nothing, nothing wrong with the way He communicates. It's us who have troubles listening sometimes. He says, launch out into the deep. Now I know that Peter's upset because it said he took a net. Jesus said, take nets. They had cleaned all their nets. He's just going to take a net. He's going to patronize Jesus. He's going to humor the Lord. So he's out there rowing slowly, Follow Jesus. What an idiot I was. You know, look at all my friends here, they know there's no fish out here. Here I am rowing. He's a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. What would he know about? I go, throw the net out in the shallows. He wouldn't know. So I said the deep pit. You want deep? I'll give you deep. You know, like, all right, deep, deep. You want deep? All right. He's out in the middle of Lake Gennesaret. Sitting out there, he says, see, there are no fish out here. Goes in like, he feels something. Looks down, there's a whole school of snapper. Just gotten inside the net. Then he looks over there, all these barracuda coming in. Looks over here, there's a porpoise coming. Looks over here, there's a big orca whale. Puts his nose in. Then there's 
great vision. Crab get in there, a flock of geese fly into the net. He's, he's like, got this net, he's standing on the bow of the boat, he's going round and round the lake, hi guys, kind of skiing. He crunches up on the shore. Now, okay, that's a tad exaggerated, but the thing is, <laughs> he, he comes, he says, Jesus, I didn't think this could happen. Even with a little faith that Peter had, he stepped out. He said, I don't believe something like this could happen. My God, this is amazing. And Jesus says to him an interesting thing. He says, Peter, this isn't, this isn't about catching fish. This is about catching people. Adelaide, this is about catching people. What are we switching on our faithful more than anything else? About bringing people out of the ocean bringing people out of the darkness by their thousands, by their thousands into this beautiful church. You have a magnificent church here. People would, if they only knew that they could come in amongst this community and be amongst some of the finest people in Adelaide and hang out with people of faith, hang out with people who've got joy in their spirit, who are connected with God. There are thousands and thousands. I'm believing with you. This congregation will double and double and double again and again and again that you will see a massive move of the Holy Spirit in this hour. Faith without works, it doesn't work. But you got to step out and even maybe tonight, step out and take out your net and say, hey, come along and hear this crazy Sydney guy. Come, on, come down and you know, it'll be a great night. Just reach out for some friends and some families, people who, want, who might be interested. Just give them a call and text them or whatever. And say, hey, going out to a little party at town tonight. You want to come and we'll have, have a nice evening together. You got to take a step. If we don't take a step, nothing happens. Got to step out. If we just pray and God send people in, no. He said, I'd like you to go out and actually reach them and draw them into the house of God. You, you might be here like this morning for the first time. Could be your first time in this church. It's my first time in this church. You might never have heard a message like that before, or heard about Christ like this before, or been in a meeting like this before, but you'd like to know more. If you've never reached out to God and said, could you come into my life? I'd love to pray with you this morning and help you do that. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 